0: That has to be, I think for me anyway, that's like one of the most peaceful Christmas time songs ever written. And it's full of memories. Y'all remember what movie that's from, right? Charlie Brown, right. Christmas time is here. Charlie Brown reminds me that Christmas time is here. And this is the season of Christmas time. Although if you were here last week, it might not have felt like Christmas time because we were sort of floating around in the end times at the end of the gospel of luke this is the second sunday of advent and so advent again is that four weeks in the christmas christian calendar the four weeks before christmas where we prepare ourselves both for christ's birth but also like last week we're preparing ourselves for christ's return so it's a dual Dual place we are. And and it reminds us that 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 Christmas or Advent is is a place when time gets kind of funky. When we're floating in the before and the now and 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 the here and the later as well. So this week though, we're back to our proper Christmas timeline. We are celebrating the birth, the birth of someone very important. And who is that? No, it's John the Baptist, you see. Um <laughs> John the Baptist um, is who we're celebrating today. John was born before Jesus because it was John's role to prepare the way, to prepare all of us for the coming of Jesus Christ. He laid the foundation for the people of Israel and for us to welcome Christ. in. you might remember John the Baptist's story or the story of his birth. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, his parents, they were, I love how the Bible puts this in in the NRSV translation. It's very kind. They were getting on in years. So Zechariah and Elizabeth were getting on in years. They were childless and well past the age of childbirth. And Zechariah was a priest. He was working in the temple in Jerusalem one day. And like Mary, um, Jesus' mom, the angel Gabriel, came to visit Zechariah when he was alone. And the angel had joyful news. Gabriel said, Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and his name will be John. And he will prepare the way for the Messiah Now you might remember Mary doubted at first, well so did Zechariah. Zechariah doubted the angel's words, but unlike Mary who got to talk for the next nine months, Zechariah was struck mute. For nine months, Zechariah would not be able to speak, not until John came into the world. Those had to have been the most peaceful nine months for Elizabeth that she'd experienced in a long time. And then the day came for John to be born and to be circumcised and to be named. And all the relatives and neighbors, they gathered around and they assumed, like was custom in the time, that the baby would be named Zechariah, like his father before him, or at least someone in the family. But Elizabeth said, no, his name will be John. And the neighbors and the family members were confused. They're like, no, 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 wait a minute. You have nobody in your family named John. Zechariah has nobody in his family named John. Where are you getting this name? And then finally, Zechariah, because he couldn't talk, he wrote down on a, on a writing instrument and a pad. He said, no, John is the name. And the moment he wrote down John, that moment when he proclaimed his faith and his belief in what Gabriel had said, what God had said to him, in that moment of belief, his voice came back after nine months of silence. Now, think about this. If you had not spoken a word for nine months, and everybody knew, I imagine you not talking was the talk of the town, right? And all of a sudden, you're surrounded by neighbors and friends and relatives, and it's your time to speak. Words came back. What you say better be good. (laughs) Like, it better be worth the weight. And with Zechariah, it was worth the wait. Man, he didn't just speak. He sang, and he didn't just sing. He prophesied. He, the Spirit was upon him as he sang over his son John, as he prophesied over his son John. And so these are his words, the canticle of Zechariah. It's in Luke chapter 1. And it's verses 67 through 79. And this is what Zechariah sang. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. David. And he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from old that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us. Thus, he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins, by the tender mercy of our God. The dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in the darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, you who speak a language of good news and great joy, we admit listening has never been our greatest gift. We are easily distracted, Our minds run a million miles a minute. We doubt your faith in us and take the easy way out when it comes to hope. So today we bow our heads and we ask for help. Settle our hearts, quiet our minds, steady our breathing. Help us to rest in you. Help us to hear your good news. Gratefully we pray. Amen. So Zechariah sang this song over his son, John. It was a song that told his son who he was. And not just like who John was in that moment eight days after he was born but who he was as a child of God, who he was as a descendant of Abraham, and who he would be as he prepared the way for the Messiah. And he would give light to those who sit in the darkness, to those who sit in the shadow of death. He would guide our feet into the ways of peace. Zechariah sang to his child John the story of his life. John's already, his not yet, and his now. Remember, Advent does funky things with time. Zechariah, as he's singing, he jumps in and out of time, and he begins by taking us back. He said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. As he's singing this, you might remember, Israel no longer exists as the land of God's chosen people. Israel is under Roman occupation, and definitely, if you're living there, you're probably not feeling favored right about then. And yet, that's how Zechariah opens up his song with a nod to the hymn book of the faith, the Psalms, and to the memory of God's redemption past and future, which brings us to Jesus whom John the Baptist met when he was still in his mother's womb. Y'all remember that? They were having a dance party inside the womb. And Jesus, who at this point is still in Mary's womb, yet Zechariah sings of this future redemption through Christ our Savior. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Do you hear how he's jumping around in time? Forward to Christ and then back to David and the prophets and then back to the future with salvation to come. And now uh, he returns to Israelite history. Thus, he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered the holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor, Abraham. And then finally he jumps forward again to the kingdom come and new creation, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Holy, 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 we sing, is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come already, not yet, now. And then Zechariah takes us back to this moment. To his child, John in his arms, Elizabeth by his side, family and friends gathered around, the promises of God's angel Gabriel in his heart, and nine men- months of dwelling in those promises in silence bring him to this moment now. And you, child, here in my arms, you, child, will be called the prophet Words of promise, words of eternal victory, and ultimately words of peace, perfect peace, as John lives out his calling to usher in the Prince of Peace. But did you hear that as Zechariah sang this infant John his song, this story, the song of his life, that John's story didn't just start the moment he was born. John's story didn't even start when Gabriel came and visited Zechariah. No, John's story began with God's promise to Abraham, with David and the prophets of old. John's story is this moment here in his parents' arms, but it's also a wilderness story, a story of bringing people hope and peace and preparing them for hope and peace. John's story is the story of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our eternal life and life ever after. So, the first thing that Zechariah did when he regained his voice was to sing to John his life song. And parts of John's life song are Zechariah's song. Parts of John's life song are Elizabeth's song, and their neighbor's songs, and their family's songs, and Jesus' song, and our song, and your song, and my song. All together. But the irony of this moment is that it's being sung by Zechariah, Zechariah who had forgotten his own song. I mean, that's what landed him unable to speak for nine months, right? I mean, Zechariah of all people, Zechariah was a priest in the holiest of holies in God's home on earth, the temple. And when the angel Gabriel stood before him, Zechariah of all people doubted. He forgot the promises of God, the prophecies he read to God's people every day, the covenant with Abraham, the line of David. He forgot the story of Abraham and Sarah, two other people who were on in years, and yet who God gave a son. He forgot the story of Hannah, who longed and prayed every day for a son, and God heard her prayers, the story of Ruth and Naomi, his past. God had provided, God has provided a son to barren women in the past. It's part of Zechariah's story, it's part of our story, and yet Zechariah forgot. And so he lost his voice, lest he preached out, lest he, he preached out of his forgetfulness. And if Zechariah A priest in the temple with God's messenger literally shining before him. If that guy can forget his song, what's keeping us from forgetting who we are? And we do forget all the time. I I know, I pray, I'm not the only one in here who has forgotten his song, his story. Who's had moments of doubt, of fear, moments of forgetfulness, moments where we feel unworthy, hopeless, restless, where we know no peace. Anyone here ever forget their story, their song? Well, here's, a, here's another story. Some of you may have, have forgotten. It's from, uh, gosh, it's been almost, what, 20 years ago that, that this started, but you might remember images like this from the late 80s into the 90s, into the 2000s. Um, over 20,000 young boys, boys um, were displaced and orphaned during the war in Sudan. Do you remember the war in Sudan from 87 until 2005? And even more children in the unrest in the years since. Images like this one became a global call for help as thousands of young South Sudanese boys would walk out of their burned villages away from murdered families. And they would walk, many of them, most of them dying on the way, as they walked to refugee camps in Ethiopia and Kenya seeking hope, seeking peace. Sometimes their families would send them away in the dark of night because they knew if those kids were captured, they would be forced to be child soldiers at eight years old. And so they sent their kids away with nothing but hope. And the story of these South Sudanese children, I think, is one that many of us, the world, would just as soon forget. It's easier not to think of hard things, right? But for thousands upon thousands of South Sudanese, it's a story that they will never forget, that they should never forget, because it's part of their song. So uh, the Dinka culture in South Sudan is an historically oral culture. Like, literacy came late for the Dinka people, and it's still only around 30% literacy rate for their adults. But this fact was actually a blessing for the lost boys, and has maintained their culture and history throughout decades of war, because you see, songs are an important part, an integral part of Dinka life, and it is also a source of personal identity. So Dinka communities will have songs that sing of their story, that they'll sing together. They sing their history and their memory. And then families have songs that they sing of their story over generations. They don't write it down, they sing. An individual Dinka have songs that sing their story, my story, your story, that weave together their community and the songs of their ancestors. And so at different key moments in the life of a, of a Dinka, like maybe marriage, you would visit a singer in town, who would write your song for you. So you would go to the singer, and, and over your life, you might have a collection of songs that contain your story, and so each time you go to the singer, you would tell the singer bits of, of your songs that you've collected. You would tell that singer bits of your parents' songs, and your parents' parents' songs. And then the singer would go away for a day or two, maybe three days, and you might see the singer walking through town, muttering this song, coming up and, and, and being inspired with your song. And then one day, it might even be two in the morning, right? You could talk. And you open the door, and there's that singer. And he says to you, I have your song. And he will sing to you the song of your life, your song, your ancestor's song, your community song, all together. And they say it may be an hour long. It might be two hours long. Your song. It's a roadmap of your past, your present, your future, the foundation of who you are. And so now, here are all these lost boys of Sudan, and they're traveling through the wilderness. They're cut off from their past. Literally, for many of them, their past has burned down, been killed. They've got no hope for the future. They're just struggling day in and day out with the interminable hardship and hurt of now. And if they're lucky, they might find themselves in a refugee camp. And if they're lucky, they might be chosen, they might get placed in the refugee resettlement program and find a new home in Europe or in Canada or Houston or or Kansas City with Della Lamb. But they don't leave their past behind. They don't leave their family behind. They don't leave their culture behind because those refugee camps had something that their dinka villages never had cassette recorders. And so, before those lost boys would leave the camp, head off into the wilderness of the world the tribal singers began to sing them their song and make a cassette recording of their song for them to take with them. So that whatever wilderness those young boys found themselves in, the lost boys would never truly be lost. So long as they remembered their song. This... um. Gentlemen, here this is Jok Marojok. He's a professor of anthropology at Syracuse University. He's also a director of a research institute in South Sudan, and he was formerly he was with the South Sudanese Ministry of Culture and Heritage. And I want to just play a clip for you. Actually, this is him talking about the importance of those life songs for the Sudanese youth that were sent off into exile into the wilderness of the world.
1: When the whole world thinks that these are God forsaken people, because look what they have gone through, look what is going on in their land, look how far they have fled, and yet here you find somebody not only reconstructing their history and not only lamenting the miseries uh, thrusted upon them, but talking about the need to rise up and rise above all that, because that is the major of a human. Uh, Because uh, life happens. What are you going to do about it? Um, You may be living in a nice life in, in some cozy suburb in the United States, but then you get cancer. Or you get afflicted by some terribly ungodly disease. You're just as as much suffering there as 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 if you were in a war zone, mm. what difference does it make? and whatever calamity and whatever uh, journey that you go through with all the obstacles thrown in your path, what is required is for each one of us to to be conscious and cognizant of where we come from for for you will not know where you are going and how you're going to. How are you going to chart the path forward if you have no clue where you came from?
0: Did you hear his words? For you not know where you are going and how you're going to, you're going to chart your way forward, the path forward, if you have no clue where you came from. Zechariah forgot his song. He forgot where he came from, all the way back to Abraham, where he'd come from. And so he couldn't see the path forward that God was charting for him. And so God blessed him with nine months of silence. So maybe he could stop talking and start listening. Maybe he would hear the song again. Remember his song. And so there with his son John before him, with God's promise literally in his arms, what does Zechariah do but sing his son his life song? A song that contained Zechariah's song within it, and Abraham's song, and Jesus' song, and your song, and and my song, and that song would become John's foundation, charting his path through long years in the wilderness waiting for the Messiah and preparing others to receive their Savior, the Prince of Peace. All of us lose our foundation at times. We've all forgotten our song at times. Sometimes we think we remembered it, only to realize we've been flat this whole time. Many of us here today might be struggling to hold on to even the faintest memory of a melody, of who we are. And so it's why we come here, to listen to the Word of God and to sing the songs of our story, to sing songs of Christ's birth, to remember our song. And so my prayer is this Advent that you might remember your song and that you may keep singing the song until it becomes a part of you and that within you is the song of God's promised past Present and future, and, and then may we sing it to others so that those around us might remember their song or hear a new melody for the first time, one that will carry them through the wilderness. Amen. Amen.